Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Well, hey, I'm Robin. If I haven't met you yet, I'm one of the pastors here. And if it's your first time, we again want to welcome you. Thank you for showing up to church this morning. We are in the middle of a series that we are calling Supernatural. There it is. Some smoke coming off of Drew, is that your hand? No? We have a hand model here. If you need any watches modeled or rings, just give us a call. We'll hook you up with our hand model there. But every single week, we are filling in that blank with a new topic of something that we believe God wants us to live in a life of supernatural. This week as I was praying, and even during worship, I'm reminded that God doesn't want us just to live normal lives. He wants us to live in the supernatural. We serve a big, powerful, mighty God, and he wants us to live in that space of supernatural. I believe, church, that God is doing something new even at 10 months old in this house. He's doing something new not just in this room but in individual lives. And I believe God is giving us an invitation to say, will you live more in my supernatural? Will you live, will your life look more supernatural? Will the supernatural come more naturally to you? I believe that it can be something that is normal to us in this building. It is normal in our lives to see us operate in the supernatural and something that God wants us to consistently live in. Tim opened up this uh, series and we were talking about supernatural perspective. And then last week he brought an incredible word talking about how God's invited us to live under his supernatural protection. And to go along with... um, the letter of the month, I believe. Uh, We're gonna call this one supernatural peace. We're gonna talk about the peace. And who needs more peace in their lives? My hand is up. Who says, I wanna worry less, I want less anxious thoughts, and I wanna live in more peace in my life? Well, if that's you this morning, I think we all are up for this. And as we fill in that blank, I believe God wants to show us how we can live in supernatural peace. Are you guys up for that this morning? All right. So as I was studying the word, I believe that there's one portion of scripture that so, um, so beautifully depicts this type of supernatural peace. And we find that in Philippians chapter four. Actually, if you have a Bible in the room, you can open up to that right now. But if you don't, no condemnation, the Bible's gonna be up here on the screen. We're gonna look at this portion of scripture as we dive in this morning. Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. How many know that that is a good verse and I want that to be a part of my life, amen? Well, if you're taking notes this morning, the title of this message is Peace in a Prison. Peace in a prison. Come on, let's pray this morning as we dive in. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for what you're doing in individual lives and all that is going on in people. I look around and I see the supernatural power going on in their life. This morning, Father, as we talk about your peace, I pray that you would fill our hearts with your peace in a new way. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for the water. 
It's very refreshing. Well, when I think about the word peace, um, I think about how I want more peace in my life. And I'm kind of one of those people that I'm a bit of a sucker when it comes to something that uh, promotes or a product that says, hey, if you take this, if you do this, it's going to make you happier. It's going to make you live a more tranquil, peaceful life. Anybody in the room kind of like that? I'm a sucker for it. If like, hey, this can make you more peaceful. I'm like, sign me up. Let's do this. I've talked about doTERRA oils here before. If you're young living, that's great too. I don't care what oil you use, but oils, they're pretty great. I'm sorry, I'm going to talk about them again. See, the gateway oil for me into the doTERRA life was lavender. I was dealing, everybody's like, yeah, I'm already relaxed. You said lavender, and I just felt so relaxed. I was dealing with some insomnia, and I had a friend say, hey, you should try some lavender. It sh- it's going to help you sleep. You know, just rub a little on your temples before you go to bed. So I'm like, okay, let's do this. So I get the oil, get ready for bed, and I rub some on my temples. I'm like, mm, I already feel better. I already feel like I'm going to have the most peaceful night's sleep. I'm like, this smells really good. I should probably put some right here. So put a little on the tip of my nose. And then I look at my bed. I'm like, well, we should probably sprinkle some on the pillow. It's probably good too, right? My face is there. And then I look over at Tim. I'm like, you move around a lot and you pull the covers like away from me. Let's put some on him and then he's going to sleep more peacefully. And then maybe if I do in fact fall asleep tonight, he won't wake me. Then I looked over at the cat. I'm like, you probably need some oils too. Let's put a little on you. Come here, puppy. Come here. Called my dog in. Put some on. You get some oils. You get some oils. Everybody gets some oils. We are going to have so much peace tonight. Now, I'm also a sucker for a good five-step program or method that will help me have less anxiety. Also, who's ever done one of those, like, breathing regimens? Like, okay, we're going to hold our breath for 30 seconds. You guys ready? You can do it too. Ready? One, two, three. (gasps) And then we're slowly going to let our breath out. Slowly over the next 15 seconds. (sighs) Do you feel it? Do you feel the euphoria? Do you feel the endorphin? That rush of peace. (sighs) Or how many of you um, decided to make your house more peaceful? So you were like me and you watched a YouTube video about this sweet little woman um, named Marie Kondo. (laughs) Did she change your life? Yeah, I started with the kitchen junk drawer. And I'm like, we are going to organize this. We are going to have peace because I'm actually going to be able to find things and I'm not going to stress out and freak out at everyone. So I organized the junk drawer in the kitchen. And then I went over and I organized the other junk drawer in the kitchen. And then I went to our third junk drawer in the kitchen, and I organized it. And then I made my way back to the bedroom, and I started organizing the drawers. And she taught me how to fold. And apparently, if I can fold my clothes and they can stand up on their own, all by themselves, magic, peace, all through our home, because my clothes can stand up. What? Come on, I know I'm not alone in this. As a society... We spend so much money on self-help books and how-tos and yoga retreats and oils and CBD (laughs) and something a little stronger than CBD, if you know what I mean, (laughs) for good reason, right? Like, we need more peace in our lives. And 
I think we look around and it's not just peace for what we need today, but it's peace for what we need tomorrow. And there's good reason because our world is kind of cuckoo right now. Come on, the U.S. alone is pretty crazy. What has happened in the last two weeks, multiple mass shootings, people that are afraid to even go out into crowded places or as school is beginning to start, afraid to send their kids to school, there's good reason to have worry and anxiety in this day and age. Even this last week when China devalued their currency and our stock market responded with huge losses. I know that caused some of you anxiety. <laughs> Am I right? Come on, there's good reason when we look around at where our world is at. And not to mention what you could be facing personally in your own life. I know some of your stories and what some of, some of you have even been through in this last month those who have lost, lost their job or been evicted from their home or have been searching for a job and the unemployment's about to run out or has, is walking through a season of sickness or others of you who have undiagnosed symptoms that you are rattled with and you're worried with and no one's giving you any answers. Others of you who've lost loved ones unexpectedly, just all of a sudden. Come on, there is good reason that we want more peace in our lives. There's good reason that we search for this peace because we need it in order to try and navigate this life. And I think we would all say we need peace for today and we need peace for tomorrow. Yet so many times we find ourselves looking for peace in all the wrong places all the wrong places. Let me ask you today, have you found the peace you're looking for yet? Have you found it in the oil or the pill or the downward dog? Have you found that peace that you're looking for? The answer is, is probably not. You probably haven't found that peace yet because if you did, then you would have given up the search. You're like, we're good, I got it, I found the key. No. The problem with those methods and those things is they're peace, but they're natural peace. And the problem with natural peace is it's temporary. See, the moment the candle blows out and you roll the yoga mat up, the peace goes along with it. So we have to keep returning to that vice, returning to that thing to try and get our fix again. Now this morning, I want you to know that that's not peace. That's not peace. That's simply reprieve. Do you know what peace is? Peace is supernatural. Peace is an internal condition. Peace is something that doesn't leave no matter what circumstances come. Peace is something that you carry. And according to scripture, peace isn't limited to just a few nines on the Enneagram, but it's actually available to all of us. And that's why when Paul wrote this letter in Philippians, that he says, hey, I don't want you to worry about anything. I don't want you to worry about a thing. Now, when I picture Paul writing this letter, penning this letter, I picture him kind of leaned back, with his feet kicked up, sipping on some iced tea as he writes us this. He's like, I don't want you to worry. Hey, hey you, stop worrying. Leave that anxiety. Stop fretting about that situation. I imagine Paul kind of sounding like Bobby McFerrin, kind of like this. 
Ben, ben you, can, you can cue that. Oh, there it is. Don't you worry about a thing. If you know it, sing it. Or whistle it. Here little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. In every life we have some trouble. When you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. All of a sudden, the music fades out, and it's just me alone up here with the microphone. Paul, how could you tell me not to worry? How could you say, don't worry? Do you see my life? Paul, do you see what I'm currently facing in my life right now? Do you see the chaos that's going on around me? Do you see the climate that I'm trying to raise children in, Paul? Do you see? See, when Paul says, don't worry, when he writes this letter to the church, he was writing it to a group of people in Philippi, and they were in this ancient Roman colony in Macedonia. And Paul knew exactly who he was writing to. See, this group of people, they were, they were believers, and he was writing to them to encourage them. Because this group of believers was being, were being persecuted simply for following after Jesus. And Paul knew when he said, I don't want you to worry about anything. Knew exactly what their situation looked like. In fact, Paul knew so well what they were going through because he was experiencing something very similar in his own life. Paul wasn't kicked back with his feet up, reclined, drinking iced tea. No, Paul, when he wrote this, was actually sitting in a prison cell. He was in the middle of a sentence. He'd been there for a while. And he was experienced, you know, I don't know if you've been to prison, but it ain't so fun, right? He's experiencing this dark season in this prison cell. And Paul didn't necessarily know if he was even going to come out or if that his sentence was going to end in death. And Paul writes from that place. He writes from that place in the prison cell. And Paul was able to say, don't worry. Because Paul himself wrote from a place of peace. Right there in the prison cell. He wrote from a place of peace. So I ask myself as I read this, what is Paul's secret? How did Paul write from a place of peace when he was sitting in a prison cell, awaiting a trial, not knowing if it was going to end in death? Do you know what Paul's secret was? It says he prayed about everything. Paul was saying here that peace comes from prayer. That's profound. I know it doesn't sound profound. Really? Peace? I get peace out of prayer. All I have to do is pray. All I have to do is pray for peace. Jesus, I pray for peace right now. Amen. No, Paul wasn't saying I want you to pray for peace. Paul was saying I want you to pray about everything. I want you to bring your entire life and bring it all before God. I find it interesting that Many of us as believers, we get it in our heads sometimes that we don't want to bother God with the trivial small things in life. 
Like, well, I sh- you know, God's busy. Like, he's a big God. There's a lot of people praying to him. I just, he, he doesn't need to concern himself with this. So we don't bring the big thing or the small things for God. We just, we just bring the big major matters. Like, well, if I, I'll just, I'll just bring that to him. No, God wants us to come to him with everything. Uh, a couple weeks ago, a new bakery opened up in Inner Sunset, Tartan. And am I even saying it right? Tartine. Tartine. I have the cookbook. You think I'd know. Thank you. Now we all know. Go to Tartine. It's fabulous. I was really excited. I have the cookbook. I like pastries. So I threw my kids in the car and I'm like, let's go to the bakery. So we, we pull up to the bakery and I realized that everybody else had the same idea that afternoon because it was packed. So me and my kids are circling the block as we do in San Francisco. Like, okay, we're going to circle it one more time. Maybe someone's going to, let's circle it one more time. So finally I say to the kids, I'm like, we need to pray. We need to pray for a parking spot right now. Mama needs her pastries. We need to pray. Me and my girls started calling down heaven in that car. Jesus, we know you love us. We know you are a faithful God. And we pray right now in the name of Jesus that a spot would open up. Do you know, not a minute later, we circled that block. And there in all its heavenly glory, like shining, like the sun was just shining on that specific spot. We're like, hallelujah, we pull in right in front of the bakery. We go in and we eat our delicious pastries and it was glorious. And Paul says, pray about everything. If you care about it, he cares about it. He wants us to bring everything before him. Yet sometimes we pray in the morning and we're like, okay, peace out, God. I'll see you later. I'll see you tonight. I've got two friends um, that still live in the town I came from. And I talk to them often. I know I've talked about oils before and I've talked about Marco Polo before, but these are two great things that you should be a part of. And as your pastor, I invite you to be a part of them. So I have this app, Marco Polo, so that me and my friends can talk. And Tim makes fun of us sometimes because we talk all throughout the day sometimes, like multiple times, 30 plus times we have conversations. And he's like, are you seriously? And I'm like, Shh, you are not in the Marco Polo. We didn't invite you into the group. But we consult each other about stuff through the day. I believe that God wants us to have a Marco Polo relationship with him. Where we're not just like, what's up in the morning, but through the day, we're inviting him into everything. Everything. And Paul shows us this, that we should have this ongoing conversation. I love this thought, in everything. If, if something is great enough to threaten to make me anxious, then it's great enough for me to talk about, to God about. If he and I are friends and companions, then the instinct of our friendship will make me speak. And God knows there are, there are greater things that are causing us worry and anxiety than not being able to find a parking spot. He knows that there are things that we're facing. In fact, the word promises that we will face trials and worries of many kinds. And I'm really sorry if that's bad news if you're new to the team. You're like, seriously? You said say yes to Jesus and I thought everything was gonna be fine. No, John 16, says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. It's promised. But do you know the other thing that's promised in the word? God gives us this invitation and he says, if you pray, I'll take your problem and I'll turn it into peace. If you pray, if you bring me what you're facing, the anxiety, the worry, I will take that problem and I will turn it into peace. 
I don't know what your worry is this morning. I don't know what's causing you anxiety. Maybe it's the job that you still don't have and the unemployment that is about to run out. Maybe it's that relationship. Maybe it's your marriage that's on the rocks. I ask you this morning, what's keeping you up at night? What's stealing your sleep? What's causing you to be grippled with anxiety and fear through your day? What are you carrying into work and holding on your back? What is it this morning? Is it your kids? Is it the unknown future? I ask you, what are you worried about this morning? See, because there's another truth in the word. If we look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says this. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Cast all of your worries, cast all of your anxieties on him because he truly cares about you and what you're going through. Uh, Peter, if you, if you didn't know, Peter, the disciple, wrote this. He's the one who said, hey, I want you to cast your cares on him because I know he cares about you. Peter wasn't just a disciple, but he was a fisherman. And don't you love those fishermen that give all the fishermen analogies? Peter knew what it looked like to cast. He was a fisherman. I bet he used a net just like this. Peter said, I want you to take all of your worry. I want you to take the things you're worried about and are causing you anxiety in your life. What's happening with your job, what's happening in that relationship, what's going on with your kids, that future. And I want you to take all of it. And like you would take a net and throw it out into the sea overboard, I want you to throw it. I want you to cast it. I don't want you to carry it, but I want you to cast it overboard. That was powerful. Did you see it? It fell into the ocean. I want you to cast it on God because he cares for you. He knows how to care for that situation better than you do. That five-step program, yeah, great. He knows how to care for it better than that method. He knows how to care for it better than that remedy. Yet so many times as believers, after we cast it, you know, we pray in the morning and we give it to God and we're like, here you go. It's yours now. But then we pull one of these. It's like the afternoon and we're at work, and we're getting ready to go on our lunch break, and we're like, it's fine, I'm just gonna mull it over in my head for a bit. In fact, I think I have a solution. I think I know what I should do. And we begin carrying it again. We're like, oh God, what's gonna happen? We're all doomed, what are we gonna do? No, he said cast it. Cast it means let it go completely. And I think that what comes next in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 is the solution to continuing to allow it to stay there. To allow it to stay in God's hands. Cast it. Because it says I want you to worry about nothing. I want you to pray about everything. And then I want you to thank him for all that he has done. Do you know what keeps it over there in God's hands? The thanking 
the thanking. Because thanking says, God, you are more powerful and you're greater and you have a better solution than I do. Right now I remind myself that you are good, God. You know how to handle that situation. You know how to carry that anxiety. You know how to carry that thing that I've been carrying so much better than I do. And then we begin to thank him for what he's done before. God, I thank you that last time I went through that thing, you carried me. You're going to carry me again. Come on, we got to pray. We got to give it to him. And then we got to thank him for what he has done. And after all of that, after all of the hard work of verse 6, because that's a lot of work sometimes. Can I get an amen on that? Come on. After all of that comes the promise of verse 7. This is what it says next. It says, then, everybody say then. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Do you understand how profound that is? He says there is a peace that is even beyond your human thinking. When the Bible describes peace, there's three types of peace that are described. First, there's the peace from God. This is um, an introduction that Paul continually uses in his letters where he reminds us that peace comes as a gift from God. And then there's the peace with God. This describes our relationship we enter into God through Jesus Christ and the work he did on the cross. But then there's this, and they already put it on the screen. I want you to write this down, or I want you to highlight this in your Bible, the peace of God. This is the peace of God. And this is what Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 describes, the type of peace. It's beyond all mind. It's beyond even our power of thinking. It's not the peace from God. It's not peace with God. But it is the very peace of God himself. The very peace of God himself. Let that settle for a moment. The God who created you and me and everything we see, who operates on a level that we can't even fully comprehend, distributes you to you some of his peace. He gives us his peace for us to carry around. You know, many times we're like, I can't wait for heaven. The peace that's in heaven, he's not talking about an eternal peace that you have to wait for and can't have until you experience eternity. He says, I give it to you now. I give it to you here on earth. Right there, smack dab in the situation that you're walking through. I love uh, when you see, and I don't know if you watch these ever, but a beauty queen competition and you see these contestants. And what do these contestants say? What do they desire? I just want peace on earth, peace on earth. Guess what? You can get what that beauty queen contestant's been trying to get, peace here on earth. You can carry this peace, this heavenly peace here on this earth. And I'm not talking about when things are good, when things are okay, when you're not facing trials or hardships. No, right there in the middle of the storm, right there in the middle of your tough situation. Like Paul sitting in that prison cell, carrying peace right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of the storm. 
Come on, he says, I give you peace. This is a supernatural type of peace, church. And I believe that there is this invitation, a revelation first, that that's what he gives us. And I think we need to step into that to realize what power we carry around with us. Come on, you carry it into your situation, then you carry it right into work. You carry it right into your family as you lead your kids. This supernatural type of peace. I was talking to uh, Drew Baker here in our church uh, a couple days ago, and we were discussing a moment he had where he encountered this peace of God. If you don't know Drew, um, he dressed up as a lamb a few weeks ago for a sermon analogy, so you should check the uh, YouTube video on that. Thank you, Drew. A more spiritual side of Drew right here. Uh, I asked Drew if I could share his story, and he, he said yes. So this is from Drew. He said, I was born with a heart disease which has, taken, which has taken me on through four open heart surgeries, beginning at just seven days old. At the age of five, I had an emergency open heart surgery due to a surgical error from an operation a month prior. The doctor said it was a miracle that I even survived. At age 17, I was scheduled to have my last open heart surgery the night before, and the night before the operation, I found myself in a hotel room here in San Francisco faced with fear and anxiety. I was fully aware at this time that I could die in this surgery if something went wrong like it had last time. The fear and the anxiety started to overpower me. Right then and there, in the middle of my anxiety and fear of dying, I made a decision. A decision to walk out what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, to surrender my heart completely to God. I gave him all my anxiety and I began to pray and put my trust in his promise of a future for my life. I didn't just pray, but I began to thank God for what he had done in my life and all the previous times that he had protected me. And then that's when the, the fear and the, the thought of dying no longer had a grip on me. His tangible presence entered the room and entered my heart, and I experienced an unexplainable peace that I had never experienced before. Early that next morning when I woke up for the operation, that fear and anxiety tried to creep its way back in, but immediately I thanked God for what he was capable of caring for, and it was his peace that carried me through to the other side. Come on, thank you, Drew, for that. See, the reason that super, supernatural peace is found in prayer is because ultimately prayer connects us to a person. And not just any person, but a person the Bible describes as the prince of peace. And long before Jesus ever showed up on the scene, it was prophesied about him. Before he ever came into human form, this was prophesied about him in Isaiah 9, 6. It says, for, uh, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Well, and that was not a verse that was intended just to be read during a Christmas service. But no. The Prince of Peace came down from heaven to earth to make a way so that you and I could be carriers of this supernatural peace that goes beyond our understanding. 
And as a prince, a prince has dominion and rule. And Jesus, as king of our lives, the moment that we say, hey, I want to follow after you. I want to follow you and we pray to him. Do you know that Jesus takes up dominion and authority on the throne of your heart? That he rests there. He settles there. All of a sudden, the prince of peace goes with us. See, peace isn't just for the storm and the thing that you're currently facing, but peace is something that will, that will lead you into your future. It's not just for the current difficult situation, but Jesus wants to lead you with his peace into your future. As pastors, many times Tim and I have people that come to us and say, hey, would you give me some advice? Could you help me out with this? I'm, div I'm you know, about to make this huge decision. Could you give me some advice or your opinion? Maybe it's a, you know, should I apply for this job? Or should I take this promotion? Or should we make this move? Or should I date this guy? And listen, I have really good advice. I really do. I have a great opinion. And I would love to give it to you sometime. But did you know that ultimately the opinion that matters most the opinion that you so desperately need is found in the one who holds the peace. It's in the Prince of Peace. And if Jesus is on the throne of your heart, I want you to be confident that he's given you his peace. So when you're facing that situation or that big decision, if you ask me my opinion, I'm going to ask you this question in return. Do you have peace about it? That move, that promotion, do you have peace? Because I got to tell you, if peace isn't there and the answer is no, then most likely God's not in it. Because peace will be something that you can follow. They turn to your neighbor and say, follow the peace. Follow the peace. Come on. Be confident that he is on the throne of your heart. And if you pray and you seek after him, peace will be the trailblazer that leads you into your future. It'll be the thing that guides you. God, where should I go? What should I do? Should I say? It'll guide you into your future. Peace isn't just for the storm, but it will lead you into your future. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helps you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.